Right, let's take our Bibles then. Um, <coughs> you know, it's always important to say um, what you did and what God did. Uh, with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. And it's very unwise to not confess what God's done. Um, because if you do not speak out, very often you begin to get all kinds of doubts, um, verbalizing in actual fact is a very important part of Christian faith. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart is risen from the dead, you shall be saved. And, and verbalizing your faith is part of Christianity. A lot of people never verbalize. If you don't verbalize uh, and speak, <coughs> you won't actually live in it. And it's, it's a weird thing. And you say, well, how does it work? I have no idea. God says it, I believe it, I know it's true. I don't have any explanations for why. Turn with me to Acts 20. I wanted to spend some time just looking at something that you might not have thought about, or if you had thought about, <coughs> you might have forgotten. So often people don't understand that there was a great difference between the preaching of Jesus and the preaching of Paul. Uh, <coughs> and if you don't know that, you don't know much. Pauline doctrine is very different from what Christ teaches on faith. And um, you can go back into the Old Testament and you won't find any reference to faith regarding Moses. You won't find any reference to faith regarding a lot of the Old Testament prophets. It wasn't an issue. Faith was never an issue. And um, it's amazing how with Christians it, it's become an issue. Now when Jesus talked uh, to the Jews, uh, he was always talking to them and saying, uh, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe. Uh, because they'd moved out of it. But the people, um, like Moses, they heard, uh, and the issue wasn't faith, the issue was always obedience. That was the issue in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Uh, it wasn't a question of faith, it was a question of obedience. Now, I know you can go back to Abraham and you say, oh, well, but Romans talks about his faith. Yeah, Romans talks about his faith, but that wasn't the issue. Because um, Abraham wasn't considering faith, he was considering God and what God had spoken to him by angels and by himself. And, and so when you come down through the Old Testament scriptures into the New Testament, 
first of all, Jesus is talking to the Jews. And to the Jews, the real question is always obedience. You've changed the uh, law of God into the precepts of man. In other words, you've taken all the law that was given to Moses and you've changed it into the precepts of man. And you have to understand that the whole, whole of Jesus' ministry was basically to the Jewish nation. Now, there were people that crept in and received. There was the centurion, there was um, the... Uh, <coughs> there was <coughs> the woman at the well, and there were people who crept in. But basically... Jesus Christ, when he, he dealt with people, he was always pointing out, hey, um, what do you believe? Do you think I can do it? And he was getting them to have faith in him. Now that is one thing. But you see, when Paul starts talking about faith, it's a totally different thing. Faith is, is faith in what Christ has already done. If you, before, if you could believe for your healing, you'd get it. Now, we believe that we were healed. If you could believe for salvation, you could get it. But that was Christ's message. But now, it's already done. By his stripes, you were healed 2,000 years ago. Everything was done in the cross. So when Paul starts talking to people, what he's trying to do is get them to understand what God has done. When we preach the gospel, the good news, is never um, if you can grasp it, if you can know it's, are you going to believe what God has done for you? And are you then going to live in it? It's a totally different, the Pauline doctrine, um, Peter, when you come to the epistles, it's totally different from the Gospels. Now, if you live in the Gospels, you'll live in the wrong realm. I'm a new covenant man. Jesus is risen from the dead. The price has been paid. Life has come. Now, I've got to stop underestimating what God has done for me. I've got to stop thinking that... Um, you know, I've got to reach out for something. It's nothing to do with that. I already have all things that pertain to life and godliness. I've already got it. And, and when you start <laughs> looking at the wrong way, you, you begin to think. You begin to think totally wrongly. Um, you're reaching out. I see most people in hope reach out. Well, there's no point in reaching out if you've already got something, is there? Hmm? Hello? And so I want to talk tonight about not underestimating what God has done for you. If you underestimate what God has done for you, you'll then try and get an experience which you don't need to have. The way to live in faith is to believe God. You don't believe experience, you believe God. You believe his word, you believe what he said. Uh, so many people are trying to experience things.
Uh, the strange thing is, by believing God, you will experience things, but you won't experience things because you've reached out for it. You'll experience things when you believe that what God has says is true. It's as simple as that. That is called faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And what the epistles are basically saying is, hey, it's already done. What Christians are usually saying is, God, please do it. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. God's saying, what's your problem? What are you asking for? And it's because you underestimate what God's already done for you that you're trying to get what you've already got. Now, if you go and ask someone for what you've already got, the person thinks you're crazy. And a lot of Christians live crazy because they're trying to get what they don't need to get because they've got it. All they need to do is begin to realize what they've got and then start living in it. And strangely enough, when you realize what you've got and what God has done for you, you'll find the reality of it comes in your life. But while you try and reach out for what you don't think you've had, you basically live in unbelief. You're underestimating what God's done for you. Okay? It's that easy. Oh, you, some of you look you're mystified. It's easy, isn't it? I mean, if I've got a million pounds in the bank, it's no good me going to the bank manager. Well, it is. If I've got a million pounds in the bank, I can go to the bank manager and say, I want to borrow some money. I need money. Now, he might say to me, but you've got it in your account already. I say, well, yeah, but I need money. Can I borrow some? But you don't need to borrow any. Why not? Well, it's already in your account. Well, I, I want to take out a loan. Well, don't be stupid. You don't need a loan. But I really do. I, I want to buy something. But, but you've got a million pounds in your account. I'm sorry, I, I really need a loan. No, you don't need a loan. Yes, I do. And that's how people deal with God. God's already done it. It's all given. The provision's all made. And people go to God, and all the provision that is made, they ignore, and they ask him to do what is already done. And they, they make a big prayer, and they get all uptight, struggling to receive something that they've already got. Is that, is that comprehensible? You understand what I'm saying? Huh? In other words, it's already in your account. It's daft not to use it, isn't it? And live in it. But that's how most people are. When you talk to Christians, they don't understand. They don't have any comprehension of it's done. When Jesus said it's finished, it was. So why are you struggling? And most prayer is ineffective because you're asking God to do what he cannot do because he's already done it. You're asking God to give what he's already given and there's no more to give because you've got it all. You've received all things that pertain to life and godliness. So how are you going to get any more? We've all 
partaken of his fullness. So what are you going to get for a deeper life? We've all received. You've got all things that pertain to life and godliness. So how are you going to get some more? Hmm. And that's why Paul wrote differently. Now, if you live in the Gospels or you live in the Psalms, some people like to live in the Psalms, you know, because David, well, I mean, David, you see, he was always kind of up and down. And there's a lot of people that like to go up and down, like helter-skelter life, you see. Um, they're the type of people that go to a fun fair and like to be frightened spitless by going over these corkscrews and stuff. Uh, you know, so many G-forces. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It's not my bag of tea, that. But God ha has made a way where we've got everything. A and if you can start that's faith. Faith is believing what God says about you and what God says is done for you. Faith is in his word. But most people live by sense knowledge and they haven't got much sense. And they live by looking at their circumstances, looking at their feelings, looking at their symptoms. And that isn't faith. That is pure unbelief. Belief is looking at what God says and then believing his word and his promises. And that is a different realm entirely. It's not an aim it claim it. Belief is a glorious thing when you can believe what God says. And so I just want to take you through a few scriptures tonight because if you can understand... Jesus' position was talking to the Jews prior to Calvary. And prior to Calvary, he was always talking to unregenerate people. Now, there is a sense in which sometimes I minister to people who are unregenerate. They're not converted. And God will still do things for unregenerate people. And, and someone who's not saved and born again is in a totally different position to someone who's had a real experience of God. But uh, we're talking to Christians here. And if you're a Christian, you come at it from a totally different aspect. Well, now, when Paul wrote, he was writing to the churches. And he was saying, hey, you've got to understand what you've got when he wrote to the church at Ephesus. Now, these were born-again, spirit-filled believers. A and you have to understand that talking to one group of people is totally different than talking to another. A and the, the Bible is very, very plain about the fact who you're talking to. And that often, when people read their Bibles, there's big mistakes made. Uh, some of the worst mistakes are taking scriptures that don't apply. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, it says in the Bible, if it's of God, it'll stand. If it's of man, it'll fall. Okay, but I could never have faith in that because Jesus didn't say it. A Jew said it. Gamaliel said it. And, and the reason he said it was because he was speaking of Christ and he was speaking to the high priest. 
and he thought he was talking intelligence. He wasn't, because if it was of man, it would fall, then why hasn't the Jehovah Witnesses fallen? Why haven't the Buddhists fallen, the Muslims fallen, the Hindus fallen? They're not of God. Heathen religions. And they've gone on for hundreds of years. So it wasn't even a precept of God. But I'm amazed how many Christians will look at a thing and say, ah, if it's of God, it'll stand. If it's of man, it'll fall. Hey, just who said that? God didn't. It's in the Bible, yeah. But it was a piece of ludicrous advice. There's a lot of things in the Bible that if you look at them, first of all, you need to say who said it. You need to see who it was said to. And you need to know why it was said. And if you don't know those things, well, it's the simple who, what, where, when, and why. Um, you, you just got to know those. If you don't study the Bible from that perspective, you'll very often get your mind trapped. And you'll say, oh, something's in the Bible, I believe it. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe it. That's not true. There's a lot of things in the Bible that aren't true. You do understand that. Um, Balaam was set out to curse the people of God. Now, you know, he had no right to. That one time, God sent a lying spirit amongst the sons of the prophets. They all lied. In fact, the devil, every time he opened his mouth, he lied. He's the father of lies. And some of the things he says are in the book. So when you take the Bible and say, I believe every word, I do believe every word. It's a true record. However, it's a true record of what people said. And I want to know who said it, for what reason they said it, when they said it, how they said it, and why they said it. Otherwise, I can get trapped. For instance, if you're a leper... You'd be very foolish to fly all the way to Israel, go down to Jordan and dip seven times and think you'd be healed. Now the reason is, it was spoken to a man and a miracle happened. However, it was spoken to an individual to do that. It wasn't spoken to everyone. That's not the cure for leprosy. Jordan won't cure leprosy. It was the prophet that told a man to do it. There's lots of things in the Bible that are true, but they don't apply. For instance, we're Gentiles. You know? That means we're a cut above the Jews, so to speak. There's a lot of Jewish customs that just don't apply to me, but they're in the Bible. And I can go to the Bible, and I've got to look to whom they were said. Otherwise, I become a person who gets hooked up with law. And law doesn't ever make anyone righteous. It's faith, not law. And so it's from that perspective. Do understand that. I find so often when I talk to people, uh, and when I meet with these people over in America, very often they make statements, and I question their statement. I said, just a minute, but I know it's in the Bible, but that doesn't apply. And I look at them, but, 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 I said, no buts. You're in the wrong covenant. 
I'm a new covenant person. The old covenant, I've got better promises, better hope. I, and you see, all the Jews had got a lesser hope, lesser promises, lesser things, okay? So now I just want to, having set the scene, go to the scripture, Acts 20. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. I mean, uh, uh, where are you? What? Acts 20. What? What did I say? Did I tell you the verse? Well, didn't you know where it was? Oh, your Bible study lot. 32. Sorry about that. Verse 32. I would assume you would have all gone there immediately. Um, shows none of you have a prophetic. Um, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. That we get an inheritance and this word of grace, living word. Now, uh, if you want to be fastidious, uh, you know the logos of God this is. Um, the word of his grace now, in the Old Covenant, angels appeared and spoke, and the covenant was ministered to by angels. But now in these last days, God, you remember in Hebrews chapter 1, has spoken unto us by his Son. A and the word of his grace and that which comes alive in our hearts uh, is able to build us up and give us an inheritance. It does two things. A person gets built up in the word of God and the word of grace, and you also, uh, you, you get an inheritance. And you need to know what your inheritance is. And it's so important, you don't just think, oh, well. Um, that's why I love the word of God. We've got the written word. Now, they had to rely on angels coming. We don't, we've got the book. <laughs> this is the word of God. When I read it, God quickens things to me. Hey, it's life. Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I still benefit even when I read about things that don't apply to me because God reveals his nature and his truth. I look for God in it. I think it's wonderful how God intervened for his people. I'm glad he did. But it shows me the nature of God and the workings of God and the ways of God but I know I've got better promises. Doesn't mean it doesn't bless me. Of course it blesses me. I'm not a person that just reads the New Testament. I read the whole of the Word of God. But I look at who it's speaking to. Is that clear? Uh, and it's important to understand that. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2.
1 Corinthians <coughs> chapter 2. And verse 11 says this, For what knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man that is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, what God wants us to know, and why I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, I need to know the things that have freely been given to me from God. The most important thing is to know what my inheritance is. If I don't know what my inheritance is, I won't know what God's done for me. And if I don't know what God's done for me, I won't live in it. Hmm? So it's important always, I need to know, hey, what is it God has given me? What is this? What are the things that I've been freely given of God? Ah, you know them by the Spirit. Not the Spirit of the world. This is different. It's the Spirit of God. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians, you'll find uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Oh, no, let's take verse 2. That their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Look. God wants you to come to the full assurance of understanding so you can know all the riches that are in God. God. God's wanting you to know. The one thing Jesus did, he, God sent his son, but the one thing he's wanting you to do is to understand what's yours. He wants you to know what your inheritance is. He wants you to know, have a full assurance of all the riches you've received in Christ. He wants you to know and to understand. And nine-tenths of Christendom just don't know what God's already done for them. And because they don't know, they live in ignorance. And in the times of ignorance, they don't live in the blessing that God's already given. And they don't walk in faith. Because if you don't know, you don't know. And when you do know, you live in it, and God performs it. What is spoken is able to perform. All right? You understand that? Are you still all with me? Or have I left you behind? You're okay? Good. Let's go on then. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1.
verse 17. So it says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who, is, who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and has set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. He wants you to understand, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Well, do you know what the hope of his calling is? Do you know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You see, the inheritance I've been given is his. But I need to know it. And... and that's why we have church. That's why we come together. That's why we rejoice together. Because what God wants us to become aware of is who we are in Christ, what we are in God, what God has really done for us, what is ours. And when you come to faith, it's beginning to believe what God has said about you. Most people believe what they feel. They believe what they've experienced. But experience isn't truth. Christ is truth. And it's not what I experience, it's what I believe. What I believe I experience. I don't experience to believe. Okay? And so God gives us the Spirit so we can know what is the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Oh, I want to know what it is. I want to know what my mansion's like. I want to know what God's done for me. I want to know all the gifts I've got. I want to know how it all operates. I want to know. I live in this sin-sick world. But I'm happy. Why? Because I know something different. Now, the spirit of the world knows one thing. The spirit of God knows something else. What, what's our inheritance? There were giants in the land, and the children of Israel saw them. God said, look, this is the land I've given you. Now, to all intents and purposes, when you looked at it, the enemy had got the land, not a bit of it. God said, it's yours. And the trouble is with society that Christians always look, and, and they're always bemoaning because they haven't got any revelation. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It, it don't belong to the devil and it don't belong to people. It belongs to God. And when you start realizing that, hey. And when you start looking at it from God's perspective, 2 Corinthians 9. It's um, verse 8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having 
all sufficiency in all things. Now, what are you going to have? Well, what are you going to lack? You see, that's what grace is about. The grace of God is about giving me all sufficiency in all things. God never intended you. Look, it goes on. <laughs> it's so lovely to have a Bible. Um, it'll give you all sufficiency in all things that you may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. Not he will, he has. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Hey, this is God. Grace is that I have sufficiency in everything. All things that pertain to life and to godliness, I have sufficiency. That's what grace is about. Totally undeserved. But it's all sufficient. God is not wanting, and he's already dispersed it. It's not something you're trying to get out of God. It's already done. It's just a matter of beginning to live in it. But you won't live in it till you believe it. Till you move from hope, I hope it'll happen, to faith. He's dispersed it. Glory to God. I've got all sufficiency in all things. <laughs> I don't need to lack anything. Hello? Now that's the way you've got to live in your business. See, the devil tries to get you to concentrate on what appears. Now, that takes faith away. That takes hope away. I mean, a lot of people, they come for advice, and you try and get them into faith, they don't. They live in hope. If you live in faith, you always triumph. If you live in hope, it deferred is going to make you ill. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But faith says, hey, I've got sufficiency in all things. See, it's just a matter of where you're living today. Do you believe in his grace? Are you a partaker of the divine nature? Hey, this is yours by right. This is legally yours. He's dispersed it. You say, but I can't see it. There you are, you see, going by senses. You haven't got any. Going by experience, you haven't got any. Why don't you grow up and live by faith? Believe what God says. You say, well, how does it work? Well, it works when you believe it. How do you believe it? Well, I don't believe the result and the experience. I believe what God says. And because I believe what God says, I experience what he says. Simple. No, do, do I lay hold on it and claim it? No. Hey, it's true. He said it. I don't have to keep repeating it. I believe it. If you have to keep saying it over and over, that's not faith. 
That's trying to work yourself into it. What God says is done. Hmm? Very easy, isn't it? Look at this. I love this scripture. It, now, it's in the Bible. Oh, you know, everything that's in the Bible is good. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things. Now, how often should you have it? Always. God's intention is for us to always live in abundance. Never, ever intends us to live outside of it. Isn't that wonderful? Hmm? Devil's a liar. So, oh, but my experience. There you are, you see. But what does God say? All sufficiency, always, in all things. Do you believe that God's a liar? Well, what's your problem? easy. You either live by natural law or you live by God's law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free. Sets me free from circumstances. People say, ah, oh, but I, you know, this happened there. Well, got everything. Hmm. 2 Corinthians 4. Here's how the devil operates, you see, in 2 Corinthians 4. It tells you. It says, Therefore, oh, look, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Uh, you know, it's terrible. The devil wants to keep you in darkness. The only purpose the devil has to stop you from coming to faith is to hide from you what God's really given. If he can hide from you the truth, you're going to live in despondency and despair. You're going to live struggling and hoping. But if you suddenly realize, hey, I've got all sufficiency in all... If you suddenly realize what your inheritance is in the saints... You suddenly shake off the lies of the devil and you start to live like a son of God, which is what you are. 